Welcome to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. It's a podcast about the nuts and bolts of life in rural Australia. The good, the bad and the beautiful. Drought affects everyone in farming communities, not just farmers who see crops fail, dams dry up, stock die, their income plummet and debt grow. Off-farm income is especially important during drought and many women set up small businesses, especially when they have young children and working off the property is not feasible. So a couple of years ago, in the middle of an awful drought, when cattle producer and small business owner Kerry Brennan heard the cry, by local, she applauded but said that won't work when the locals don't have any money and the gift shops in the local town are shut. Kerry thought they needed to get city folk to buy from the bush and what better way than through social media. So in 2018, Kerry set up the Facebook group Buy From The Bush Queensland, a way for small country ventures to promote their business, sell direct to their customers and tell their story. Kerry Brennan says her passion for being involved comes from her mum. My mum is one, she is a tough lady, she's a real, she's a real pioneer. Not so long ago she, she came in from gardening and she goes, oh, she said, she's a bit cranky. I said, what's wrong mum? She goes, oh, I've been bitten by those green ants. And I said, oh yeah, they hurt, hey. I said, I'll get you nice, where is it? She said, well they bit me 36 times. So she had been bitten 36 times by green ants before she gave up on her finishing her gardening for the day. I'm like, one, I would be gone, I'd need ice and put my foot up. So, you know, that's that's my mum. That, to me, is a perfect example of how tenacious she is and tough. Uh, yeah, but she's just a real pioneer. You know, they bought a cattle property when they retired. I mean, who, who goes on to the land in retirement? And then they... Um, when Where they was re- the property? Uh, they went up near Gamere. Yeah, and um, they did really well there. But when they realised that the property was never going to support more than just one family, they uh, went and bought a place up um, in the Northern Territory near Catherine. And that's at what was mum then, you know, nearly 70 or something, to move to a a property in the Northern Territory. It didn't have a house, it didn't have power, it didn't have water. Uh, Yeah, she slept on a trampoline while they built a shed and... Yeah, she is one tough lady, <laughs> but she's a yeah, she's a she's a beautiful woman for sure. What do you think she taught you? And did you have brothers and sisters? My mother was she was um, very focused on her family. She was uh, she taught me work ethic, and she taught me the parenting. Like just recently, we had a conversation. She said whatever it was when you, 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 you kids were doing when you were kids, she said, you're always taken, not sent. And that's, so if we had a music lesson or a girl guide camp or a, whatever was happening, she would take us. She was, you know, she was head of the tuck shop. Dad was a scout leader. They were in everything and everything. And I just felt that that was a really, um, yeah, strong memory for me that yes mum and dad were we, they took us places we were never sent and just dropped off and so they were included in the experience that you had at your music lesson or what was on happening in the tuck shop absolutely uh, included and in, you know leading it most of the time yeah and how many brothers and sisters did you have i have an elder brother he's a solicitor in brisbane and i have a younger sister who um, works with the department of agriculture in toowoomba 
So your connection with agriculture came, or passion for agriculture, came from that little farm, hobby farm in McDowell in Brisbane? Um, not really. <laughs> I was... It was the bloke you met? It was the bloke I met. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> and his name's John? His name is John. He grew up in between Chinchilla and Miles and his, um, on his parents' place, they're predominantly sheep mm-hmm. uh, with some cattle, so... But he, yeah, he went um, went to uh, study engineering at USQ and worked um, in the railways for I don't know twenty years or something. And then, because you know we were never gifted a property, he was one of ten. There was uh, there was no property for each child when his uh, father passed away. So we um, we had to earn every cent to buy our own place. And you managed to buy your own place because that's the really big hurdle these days. Is it's so expensive to get on the land. It is, yes. Uh, you know, we still carry a lot of debt, <laughs> but yeah, we, that's why we worked really hard. And um, I think we'd been married about maybe twelve, thirteen years or something when we when we bought to um, our place here. Tell us about Tralee. We're here, we're in the Southern Downs. Um, the country's looking pretty green at the moment and I've seen a few photos. A year ago it was looking terrible. Mm. We've got nearly 5,000 acres here. Uh, we breed our cattle. We, we have done some crops at the start but because John for most of the time had, um, had we had to have an off-farm income so he had to have a job. We, you know, we've had to do things differently. It's a, it's a lot of people have had to if they've wanted to live on the land, they've had to do it, do things a bit differently. So we've always tried to, we've or we've been forced, I suppose, to run it in a way that is the required the least amount of time. But John, um, he was made redundant, uh, what seven years ago or something, and since then um, he's been full time on the farm. And you know, just as just then was when we went into this terrible drought that we've just come through. So we've been through a seven-year drought, which really only just broke the start of this year. And during that seven-year drought, you've been homeschooling five kids. Some of them have got, uh, one or two of them have got special needs, but you've been the, the teacher. You've, as your mum said, you've taken to them to the experience, you've taken them to school, you've been the teacher rather than sending them to school. Mm, absolutely. I've even when we were living in um, the city, I chose to homeschool the children. Uh, it just, I enjoy my children, uh, not all day every day, but I, it's the best thing I've, I've ever done is to have children and to, to watch them grow into adults. And that's, I didn't want to miss that. I was not prepared to give that away to a school. It, yeah, it's been an incredible journey and it's been very challenging and, and I have learned so much along the way. Um, and I have used the school system at various times. Um, you know, I had some years I was very unwell. And also, you say, when the, if the children wanted to do physics and chemistry and maths in, in the senior, oh, that was not for me, so we had to go to school. Um, but that's been... That's been a big part of our lives, um, doing distance education, uh, homeschooling with the kids. And it's, yeah, it's, I know it's not for everybody, but for us it just made sense. And it's, you know, our family is very close. And I think homeschooling is a big part of that. Paint me a day of homeschooling. Well, I, I used to be a real Nazi. So I'd, uh, I'd have a timetable and be up at, you know, 6.30, breakfast, dishes, get dressed, make your beds, 
sit down at your desk at half past eight, you know, maths for 45 minutes, English for 45, yada, yada, you know, 15 minutes for morning tea. And I was an absolute Nazi and worked those kids so hard for years. Uh, probably the older I've got, oh, maybe I'm a bit slack now, if I'm honest. But I also have a very different view of education than I used to have. And education is so much bigger than, than maths books and, and learning your grammar and spelling. Um, and, you know, the children have all done very well. Three have gone on to university. Um, and, you know, they've, they've done extremely well with their studies. So it, it, it um. How much is live life on a farm, especially during the drought, part of their education? Uh, well, my little man, who's now 13, last, for the last few years, he just worked like a man. He worked like a man and his schoolwork was definitely secondary to, to just surviving the drought. But we had cattle dying. The older children were away studying. When they're home on holidays, they're all, obviously, they're all helping. But it was my husband, myself and, and our young boy who, who, um, we just worked from before daylight to well into the dark every day feeding cattle. What did it do to your brain, your, your mental well-being? Um, it was really hard to watch, probably watch my husband. Yeah, he's a very private man, so I probably won't say too much. But it was that was it was harder for me to watch him than to actually watch what was happening on the property. Um, and I really, I suppose I couldn't believe that you know my little fellow was only what ten, eleven. And he would just put in a man's day work every day. He's, you know, he can, he can drive the tractor. He can um, feed. He the can cow. ride a mountain bike, and he can do tricks and break his arm at every opportunity <laughs> he <can do> too. <laughs> he can do that. <laughs> He's a bit of a daredevil, but he was. I guess I compare him to uh, city kids who, are, you know, they're bored and they just want to be on their iPads all the time. And and he just he didn't complain once, not once. It. You know, we'd wake him up before the sun was up. You showed me a photo, a, a very short, brief picture of a truck coming in, a B-double full of hay from Mackay, from a friend in Mackay, and you said that it wasn't about the hay coming, it was about the joy your husband felt or the relief he felt. The hope, because without that we would have... I think he was probably at the point of just shooting them all they weren't worth trucking um and so that just gave us hope to hang on a little bit longer and yeah that was a gift from a friend that was pretty amazing did it lift you the spirits of the rest of the family oh, too? absolutely absolutely um and you know we had run out of hay we'd run out of feed we'd run out of money to buy feed our tractor had broken down we couldn't pay to fix it we couldn't, even if we had feed, we couldn't get it to the cattle. You know, things were, it was pretty desperate. Um, and just seeing that come in the front, <laughs> I remember I did a, a little happy dance. <laughs> like literally stood out here and did a dance. And it was, it was an incredible gift of generosity and hope. So when did you start up your own small business, which I think is making maternity wear? Yeah, I don't make it. I'm not that clever. Yeah. But about six years ago, I had a friend who had a, this little business and she had to get out of it. And she said, oh, Kerry, you'd be great at this. You should do it. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, I'm so busy. But sure, I'll, you know, that sounds like a little bit of fun and maybe I could make a bit of pocket money um, out of that. Uh, but then I, I realised I really had 
to do something to help um, feed the family, basically. And, um, which, you know, when you live on the land, you can't just sort of duck into town to do three hours at the local store or something, uh, and you have to be here. So you have to try and do something that's online. Um, so that's how, that's how I started. And then um, I Tell guess- me about your business. Uh, well, I, it's Little Miracles, Maternity Wear. Um, I always have seen my children as, as, um, miracles. I believe they're a gift from God and I'm, and that's where the name came from. Um, and yeah, I, I love it. I love, it's, it's so much more of a mission to me than just a shop. I have now, I, because we, um, have a, a house in town, um, because the children go to school in town and you can't afford, who can afford five lots of boarding fees? Mind you, I would never put them in boarding school, but that's another story. Um, so I run the my um, – I have now have a little shop connected to my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just a beautiful thing. These ladies come in and a lot of them are feeling really bad about themselves and um, whether it's their shape or their weight or their health or, you know, a lot of people are negative about pregnancy and birth. So for me it's a, it's an opportunity to be joyful with these women and, and – and encourage them and having had five children and every sort of issue that goes with birth and pregnancy and children I can talk to them about just about everything so yeah it's something that I love so I have an online store but I also have my little shop that I only open now uh, three days a week um, and I go into town for those three days a week so you've expanded beyond little miracles maternity wear to buy from the bush Queensland now how did that evolve from your your small business. Yeah, so when I first started, obviously I was just very little and I just realised that there were so many women on properties who felt that need to um, contribute. So women, it's interesting... Women on the land, particularly with little children, you can't, if you don't, if you're not a big place and you're employing lots of staff, um, you can't leave the toddler to have a two hour nap and go and do something on, you have to be in the house. And I think, um, whilst there's always cooking and cleaning and, you know, those sorts of jobs to be done whilst you're in the house, I think, um, when you're looking out the window and things are so desperate and you just, even though, you shouldn't, but you do feel that you're not doing enough, mm. that, that you feel a bit quite helpless, that, you know, you're, you're stuck in the house and, you you know, your husband or your other kids are out there working so hard. So I think a lot of women thought, well, you know, okay, I've got this time at home, so what else can I do? And that's when a lot of women started sewing children's clothing or plaiting leather belts or making jam or whatever their whatever the skills they had they started using that and trying to sell it and I realized that there was so I'm not that talented so I just I don't um make anything myself um but yeah so I realized there were so many of us and not only I recognized that individually we, we had zero reach on social media but collectively we had a, a better reach but I also realized the need for these women to connect and have community um, and often doing that anonymously through a business name was easier for them than putting their own name out there so we could I could have a conversation with you know little Jilly's dress shop no idea who she was or where she was um, and she could talk to me about Anything. About anything, you know, about suicidal husbands or 
you know, children with mental issues and that that anonymity in a way gave us um, some safety. Have a glass of water, would yeah, you? Well, thank you? You're listening to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie. Life on the land can be tough, but the people who live there choose to live where they live. And there is a sense of community you won't find in the city. How did you connect with the women? How did you make that connection? Um, I just thought, I just thought, okay, how do we buying local is a you know term you mm. hear a lot, but the locals have got no money or had no money, mm. so you could go to town, but the the towns were broke, the little shops in town were broke, everybody was broke, so buying local wasn't working. So I thought we have to. We have to find the city people who've got who's you know in a completely different industry that's doing well to buy our products. Mm. That's when I started this social media campaign to try and reach the city people. We just need the city people to buy from the bush. Yeah. So I started the group and I just came up with this idea of creating the buy from the bush Queensland. And I also think Queensland living in the Queensland bush it is different it, it's a it's really like a different country and so much of the funding the australian funding goes to the southern states and so much attention and media goes to the southern states so i wanted to be queensland based mm. and queensland's queenslanders i don't know they're a bit of a different breed to your new south welshman <laughs> sorry about that State of origins on tonight. <laughs> Go the Marines. <laughs> but uh, so that's why I started with Queensland only. And so how how far is the connection go? How did you? Was it like a you know a, a Rolling Stone gathers no moss? You got one person, yeah. then next person, then next person. Yeah, and they've got a friend who's making jam, and they've got a friend. Oh, but someone so is making. But the thing is. A lot of these little people had no idea how to use social media. Yeah. So what I did is I they'd say, look, ring Carrie and she'll show you how to set up a Facebook page. I had no training. i just go, okay, well, this is what you do to make it a business page. And then, you, you know, this is how you take photos and put it up there. It was very amateur, very amateur. Um, but by doing having these conversations, uh, you know, you might start with talking about how to set up a Facebook page, but it's like... So how are you? How's things? Mm. And that's when I made these incredible connections with women. I still don't know a lot of their their surnames. Really? Yeah, we were we were just we were just voices. And how many members of your group have you got now? Um, we have featured over a thousand businesses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because I was, you know, we're not funded at all. We have no funding, so it's all been voluntary and. We're all pretty busy already. But you are serving a purpose. You are connecting women and they are selling, seeing a, a point or a market for the product that they're producing. Uh, absolutely. And some of, our, some of the people, and I say women because probably 99% of our members are women. Uh, before last Christmas when, when things got really busy and the drought was fierce, I had several companies ring me and say, Kerry, please don't feature me again because... I'm overwhelmed. I've had to shut orders. I cannot keep up. We put a few videos up, <coughs> excuse me, at the time of of women in tears just saying, you know, I couldn't buy Christmas presents for the kids. I couldn't put tyres on the car. And just from our feature, their little business went crazy. And, yeah, they've managed to 
to finance their family through the rest of those, you know, for a few months. So that was the, the power of that was incredible. So actually kept them on the land, oh. kept a few of the farms and the properties on the land. Definitely kept them on the land, kept them from, um, yeah, not only losing their property but losing their families, losing their lives. Some of them, you know, I had, I have had some had some pretty raw conversations. So how do people actually sell things through you? We feature people on our Facebook okay. page. So we have about 20,000 followers on our Facebook page and we've never just been a shopping page. I've always been about telling the story behind the business because to me that was where it started and that is fundamentally what the group is about because I also think city people like to hear about the real person on the other end and what their story is rather than just saying, you know, you can buy Rosella Jam here. So that is great but it's also really time-consuming because I do little... Vignette. Yeah, I do, yes. And uh, so anyway, so that's what we do. So if, you know, Catherine's Anzac Biscuits, if that was a Facebook page, then I would feature them on our page mm. and say, this is Catherine, she lives here. This is her story of, um, you know, struggles and triumphs through drought and whatever, and now she's making Anzac cookies. And you can contact her on her page and, and buy some Anzac cookies. End of story. And we also have a website. Mm. Um, which is um, probably somewhat limited, but it's still a good reference point for people. And Kerry, this year you're having a pop-up shop in New Farm just before Christmas. Tell us about the the deal there. Yeah, well, look, we were approached by this beautiful couple in Brisbane who said we have a um, a shop just a couple of doors down from the big New Farm shopping centre and we'd like to um, gift it to you for a few weeks to do a Buy from the Bush Queensland pop-up shop. I'm like, right, <laughs> how do I fit that in? Um, so anyway, I always am one to say yes and then work out how to do it. So I said, that, that'll that be amazing. Thank you very much. I think we've got 30 or 40 businesses coming. Not all of them can physically get there, obviously. They're on land, you know, past west of Orgothella or somewhere. So they're just sending their product down and we will have it all displayed there as a gift shop and we're hoping that the, the people will come and support yeah. these businesses. What sort of things could they see there? What, what what might they be able to buy? What's the range of things that are on offer? Well, we will have some wine tasting, which I will, I have tried it all myself, taken one for the team, can recommend that. We've got beef jerky and we've got rosella jam and macadamia nuts, so lots of foodie things, fudge. And then we've got uh, plaited leather belts and beautiful earrings and uh, an amazing range of soap and candles and clothing uh we've got hide products um scarves everything you could possibly want imagine a real a full range cheese boards and um oh there's even some furniture going to be there oh there's just so many Mm. so many things there are you amazed by the diversity of material there's a product that you is being produced in regional queensland absolutely the diversity and the uniqueness and the quality the products we see come through are not second grade. You know, they're not not B grade products at all. They're beautiful, beautifully done. And, uh, you know, I guess the thing is from people buying from these families, they're not just buying a beautiful, unique gift, but they're also helping a, a real family. The dollars go into the pockets of a real family who have just come through some very, very difficult times. Do you think it really is making a difference to these families? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, it's a, um, it's a movement. It's, uh, you know, last year I, I did an interview with, um, 
ABC Brisbane and they said that Australia Post had said to them that they had a 30% increase in their rural Queensland parcel postage mm. and they attributed that to our group. Now, I would, I would have been tickled pink with the 1%, mm. but 30%. Mm. So what's happening is, you know, Bill's going down to post his leather belt off and he mm. he sees, you know, Tony and says, hey, Tony, look, and he says, what are you posting all those parcels, mate? And it's, well, you know, I'm doing this. Well, I could make, you know, salami or something or I could make. <laughs> I have to ask you, what's the difference between you buy from the bush Queensland and buy from the bush? What's the difference? Okay. The difference is with the original group. So we've been going for over two years. And um, I guess, unfortunately, um, Grace, who runs by for the Bush, um, used the same name as us. But because we only ever started off as a support group, I didn't think to register the name or anything like that. Um, I have done now. But she, um, she got... Um, a lot of help, a free marketing team and some funding, which and that's great. And what she has done is beautiful. I congratulate her. Um, I prefer her to be under a different name, but she's not. She's very much about a beautifully put together, well-curated um, collection of products. And she will often feature your upmarket uh, shops in the, in the rural country towns. And that's great for me because it's very different to who we are. We will certainly feature those shops, but we've always, our heart's always been with the battler and our heart has always been about telling the story rather than just being a shop. She has been hugely successful and she's done some some very, very good things. Um, but it is, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a very different group to what we do. To me, the significant word you mentioned there, you started as a support group. Yeah, absolutely. And we never uh, we never thought we'd run it as a business. We don't run it as a business. We have um, had our expenses covered. We went out to, at the start of the year, we had so many of these people say, come out to us, Kerry, come out to us. And myself and my, my daughter and my son and um, a good friend of mine, we went west. So we drove all the way up to Winton, down to Dirrambandi and back into Toowoomba. It was a massive three-week trip and we saw... Uh, a couple of hundred businesses and we'd actually did a share your story event so we did little mini um interviews with people we then featured those videos on the facebook page very amateur (laughs) and we also taught these people how to use facebook so it's sometimes these people can't even if you're talking to them over the phone they just they need to be shown so it's like well look give me your phone okay so you do this do this and by the time we'd finished they actually had their facebook page set up they had some images on there they were ready to sell if somebody from the page wanted to contact them and that was an incredible trip and we were we did receive uh, we did have our expenses covered for that trip we had some sponsorship avis gave us a car good old clive burkhofer gave us a bit of money for a trailer and you know those sorts of people helped us so that was great but we've definitely a love job what we've done for the last over two years and we how did you go through COVID personally uh COVID for us was beautiful our entire family was home um all the kids uni courses went online so they all came home um, school. My youngest was in school this year. It got shut down, so he got to come home. My shop had to shut, so we all came back to the property and lived here. You know, we have a Jersey cow. Catherine grew a veggie garden. It, it was actually a real blessing for us COVID time. 
and I think most rural people, the I guess the joke was what what's changed, mm. you know. Um, it rained. That's what changed. Well, it did. It did rain, but socially not much changed, yeah. and it was harder to buy toilet paper. But that's about yeah. the only change in the rural community. So, um, and online increased. So for a lot of the little businesses, um, yeah, they uh, they actually did well in COVID. And what about the rain? What's it meant for John? And for the family and for the property? Oh, I think when you've been through so many years of drought, you just realise that rain is a blessing and it's, it's, it's absolutely out of our control. And it doesn't matter what you do, you can't make it rain. So you can be as smart as you like, you can work as hard as you like, you still can't make it rain. So, um, but it's life-changing. It's life-changing to the land and to the cattle and to the family. Absolutely life-changing. And to the people in your group, have you, have you seen a change in them? Oh, definitely. Definitely. It was so interesting when we went west, it had just started to rain. Mm. <laughs> so funny. Here we were, you know, drought busting and we got flooded in and we had to go through flooded creeks <laughs> and to get places and... Yeah, it was, it was yeah, quite ironic, really. But it was interesting when we went out there, there was this nervousness amongst our people because some of them have had rain and some hadn't. Mm. And nobody wanted to rejoice because often, like we would see on the highway out to Winton, this place was green, the next place was dead, the next place was green, the next place was dead. And so people were just so aware that many of their neighbours were still desperate mm that they didn't allow themselves to rejoice. Um, but, yeah, I probably by the end of our tour, there had been enough widespread rain that people started to go, okay, the drought's broken. And whether, I mean, that's really, and even I would say in some places the drought hasn't broken yet, but um, there had at least been enough rain that people were, were joyful and were talking about the rain. And uh, is your group excited about next year in the Stockman's Hall of Fame? What's happening there? Very exciting. So one of the beautiful things about our trip out west is we went to the Australian Stockman's Hall of Fame and uh, they've just, they're undergoing an incredible um, renovation at the moment. I think it's $40 million being spent on the place. It's going to be fully interactive, absolutely amazing. And one, they approached us and they said, look, we'd like to make our souvenir shop um, a lot better than it is. We'd like to make it um, more unique and more authentic. And so we'd like to stock it with products from the businesses from Buy From The Bush Queensland. So we just had another me a meeting with them yesterday and... Uh, we're going to be able to, we're going to have a website whereby our, um, members can list their products on our website and the, the Stockman's Hall of Fame can just purchase directly through the website. So they're going to have a full array of beautiful products there that, that I think it'll be a real draw card. I mean, uh, it already is. Obviously, it's an iconic tourist destination of Western Queensland, but I think people will go there and be very thrilled and it's a real feel-good moment to, to think you actually instead of buying a, a plastic ruler that says long reach and you turn over it says made in china to actually be buying something that is made from a in in the bush in queensland well good luck really, thank you really exciting kerry brennan the founder of the buy from the bush queensland group check out the facebook page that's buy from the bush queensland you've been listening to postcards from the bush with robin mcconkie Subscribe on your favourite podcast app and leave me a review. 
Music was composed and presented by Luke Aidney. Yeah.